0: Welcome to Journal Talk, a weekly podcast about journal writing for passion, clarity, and purpose.
1: Passion. Reignite that passion for the things and people you care about most.
0: Clarity. Discover who you are and what you really want.
1: Purpose. Get to the heart of life's issues to remember your divine purpose.
0: And now, here's your host of Journal Talk, Nathan Oren.
2: Welcome to episode number 40 of Journal Talk. Can you believe 40 episodes?
3: No, I can't. Oh my goodness.
2: (laughs) I have with me a special guest. This is Jean Schoonover, my mom. Hi, mom.
3: Hello, Journal Talk audience.
2: (laughs) She's talking into a microphone.
3: Oh my goodness.
2: (laughs) After all these years.
3: I hope I don't sound like a little mouse. (laughs)
2: Mom why did you not talk into the microphone just because 40 years ago
3: I didn't like the way my voice sounded I sounded like a little mouse
2: Yeah and you got self conscious
3: Yep <laughs> <laughs> Plus those were the years that I was just becoming a person and I was very shy and timid
2: Yeah just becoming a person and you had a, a baby in your belly
3: Yep <laughs> No you were already born No
2: you? the the twins
3: Oh, I thought you were talking about the other episode <laughs> where you were two years old and your dad was trying to get me to talk.
2: That's what I'm talking about.
3: Oh, well, Yeah. I wasn't thinking about the twins
2: being in my belly. They were. You were five months pregnant during that time. Anyway, thank you for being here. I have a special podcast. Uh, This is the podcast where we talk about the many benefits and techniques of journal writing. And I'm excited today because it's rare that we have some conversation about scientific evidence, Mom. We have scientific evidence about what's going on inside the brain when we're writing in our journals.
3: That should be interesting. (laughs)
2: I think so too. When this podcast first started off, when I first started doing Journal Talk, and I remember releasing those first few episodes, every episode felt like, wow, this is something epic. People are just going to love this. This is so great. I just felt like I had wrapped all of my love and devotion and attention into making each one something truly unique and hopefully life-changing for people. And I thought, you know, after I've been doing this for a year or two, maybe that feeling would subside a little bit and I sort of would kind of get used to this and, you know, just start pumping out episodes and it just starts to feel kind of normal. But you know what? That's never happened.
3: Because <laughs> you're passionate about it. I am. And you love that rush of all those endorphins and...
2: Yeah, serotonin and yeah, serotonin. Yeah, dopamine. I'm so glad you're talking scientific, Mom. That's what we're going to be talking about today. That's exactly it. (laughs) (laughs) After a year and a half of doing this, I still get a rush and I still get excited. About one in every two or three episodes, I get this well of excitement because I'm feeling like I'm sharing my favorite episode with you all. And this is one of those episodes. My guest today is Deborah Ross. She's a licensed professional counselor, and she has had an active psychotherapy practice in the Washington, D.C. area for over 20 years, and she studied neuroscience at the Mindsight Institute with Dr. Dan Siegel. Now, I don't know if you remember, but my friend Mary McCarthy has told me about this book, this book called Mindsight she told me about it months ago, and she couldn't talk enough about it. She said it was mind-blowing, literally, <laughs> mind-blowing. It's all about the mind and the brain and, and neuroscience and how the brain works. And I started reading it based on her recommendation. It is powerful. It is awesome. And it's about how we as humans can develop a seventh sense that he calls mind sight. It's our ability to connect, not only with our own mind and our neurological system, our our nervous system, but the ability to connect with other people, other people's minds. And he calls this mind sight. It's not just our brain. You know, our mind is much larger than our brain. The whole nervous system goes throughout your whole body, down the spinal cord and into every sensory organ. Your skin is part of your mind because it's drawing in information sensory information that feeds your brain. So anyway, Deborah Ross, after studying with this person, Dr. Siegel, about Mindsight, she created an entire journal writing curriculum called Your Brain on Ink. And it was featured at the Therapeutic Writing Institute earlier this year, and it's all about how your brain chemistry works while you're journal writing. So, Deborah has taught these courses both in person and online, as you'll hear. I don't want to steal the thunder here. I'll go straight into the interview. Mom, thank you for joining me in Journal Talk, and so that your grandkids can hear your voice at age... How old are you? <laughs> you, should have, you should have seen that look.
3: 64. <laughs>
2: 64. 64. Your grandkids will know how their manda sounded. Love you, Mom.
3: Love you, too. Love all the grandkids.
2: Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Journal Talk. My name is Nathan Oren, and with me, I'm honored and excited to share with you the presence of Deborah Ross. It's very exciting, Deborah, what you've got cooking, a workshop that I want you to tell everybody about, Your Brain on Ink. Welcome to the program
3: thank you very much.
2: Yeah. Maybe you could tell us first who you are and what brought you into the world of journaling and some of your experiences that led up to Your Brain on Ink.
4: Well, thank you. I I'm a licensed counselor. I've been in private practice for I guess about 20 years. And as part of, you know, my my studies and my continuing education, I was started to become more interested at, in the intersection of meditation, all of the new uh, work that's been coming out now actually for a number of years on neuroplasticity mm-hmm. and the exciting possibilities of how one pays attention is actually able to change one's brain. I mean, mm. that to me is very, very exciting. And so I, and I do have a meditation practice and I also have a journaling practice. Mm. And I started studying with, uh, among other people, Dr. Dan Siegel, who's the director of the Mindsight Institute. And I studied in his program for three years. And his program is in what's known as interpersonal neurobiology. Ooh, yeah, it's a big, it's a $10 word, or a series of words, actually.
2: Yeah, and they sound so, I, I get turned on by words like that. <laughs> <laughs> like, wow, I'm playing with my mechanical makeup, my my chemical mechanical makeup. That sounds wonderful.
4: It I, It is wonderful, and, and it also speaks to the healing possibilities of rewiring one's brain in the context of relationship because brains are wired initially in the context of relationship. I mean, we're born with all of these neurons, but they have to somehow organize themselves into circuits, and part of how they do that is is how they wire with a wash of emotion, and that wash of emotion is often mediated by relationship. So that's interpersonal neurobiology. And I began to think about this in terms of intrapersonal neurobiology. So
3: Mm.
4: are we in better relationship with ourselves? And what can we do to mediate that? And that also comes from my training in what's known as internal family systems So, you know, the family system that we we have developed inside of us, all of our myriad parts and how they get along with one another or not, Mm -hmm. how they cooperate, how they're polarized. Are you talking
2: about the committee of of voices in my head?
4: uh, That committee, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Also strengthening that part of us that presides (laughs) over that committee.
3: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
4: So. All of these different things were, were coming together, the journaling, the meditation, the interpersonal neurobiology, internal family systems, and they came together for me really with my pen and my journal. And mm. so I, you know, started to give some thought to how are all these learnings about neuroplasticity, the ability to change change our brains based on how we pay attention. So I think a more accurate phrase of instead of neuroplasticity is self-directed neuroplasticity. Mm. And so that's where the pen and the paper or as I'm being, you know, more informed by the digital world,
2: you know, <laughs> don't blame me,
4: <laughs> how one's relationship with oneself can be mediated, you know, by those activities. So mm,
2: yeah. Let's just break that down for a minute. Because when I hear words like neuroplasticity, I I think I know what you mean. And there's probably a a great audience that does. And then there's probably some who think they might know what it means. And then some who, what is neuroplasticity? And yeah, give us a breakdown on what that means.
4: Neuroplasticity uh, simply refers to the ability of the brain to change. You know, we used to believe that you know that that our brains were were really pretty fixed, and they they didn't adapt, and and you got to a certain point in your life, and that that was pretty much it. And that turns out not to be the case at all. And you the the phrase from that world is, your brain takes the shape of what the mind rests upon. Mm. So the way that you focus your attention, what you pay attention to actually really does have an impact on how the brain how the brain wires the ways in which neurons talk to one another how some circuits get strengthened and other circuits are, are weakened and, and you know hopefully intentionally so
2: mhm mhm hopefully yes all of this sounds you know i'm reminded of there's a slice of this i'm listening to from one ear Deborah, that that says, you know, this reminds me of the secret, the law of attraction, and a lot of other space age sounding things like, you know, Jerry and Esther Hicks talking about space aliens telling us to vibrate on a certain frequency so that we can evolve. (laughs) There's lots of different ways of phrasing it. But the, what I'm hearing you say is that this isn't coming from astrology or you know other planets or you know hoopla. this is coming from science that that we have determined we have proof that the brain can take new shape based on what we're thinking about and putting our attention on. and to what extent is this possible?
4: It's um well, yes, it is absolutely coming from from science. there have been at this point. You know, many years of of research, and uh, I mean, one of the people that's most known for the research is a guy at University of Wisconsin Madison, Richie Davidson, and the Dalai Lama had contacted him, I believe it was back in the '90s, because Richie was. He was studying emotional states, but he was really more focused on, uh, I guess, anger and fear. And the Dalai Lama said, would you be interested in looking at my brain and the brains of monks who've had dedicated practices that deal with compassion and loving kindness? And the question is, would their brains look different? And the answer turned out to be a resounding yes. Whoa. And, and so that a lot of... I just these, got chills. Yeah.
2: I exactly. <laughs> just got chills, very literally, just got chills down my back.
4: Yeah, it, it's really exciting stuff. And it's also made possible by the fact that we now have what's known as functional MRIs. So you can actually see what's happening in the brain based on on what you are paying attention to. Wow. So, yeah, R- Richie Davidson is is. Uh, you know one of the people that i think of as as somebody who's really put this front and center but the, you know this has been written up by rick hansen you know another psychologist in buddha's brain norman dodge the i think it's the brain that changes itself i believe is the name of his book. And it, so yeah, this is a combination of, of very, very, very solid research, um, functional MRIs. Yeah. It's, wow,
2: wow. That is fantastic. So all these people who, and I'm going, you know, I was a Tony Robbins fan back in my youth. Before that, I read books on Napoleon Hill. And you know, the whole mindset, first, you, you see it, then you believe it, then you achieve it. You know, all of those philosophies that really helped shape, really, I think, you know, the industrial age, you know, the, the philosophy of, you know, setting your mind, uh, creating an intention, uh, putting it out there, finding examples, and really monitoring your self-talk. Long before there was ever any functional MRI to show what it's doing to your brain, now, now we're showing that that all was correct.
4: Yes, it it is. However, I think one of the things that may be a little bit different is that our brains don't like to change rapidly. I mean, from a survival point of view, what amounts to installing a new operating system every night, a brain is really not on that plan. So uh, these changes that happen, they absolutely do. And they take steady dedicated persistent mm. attention and so this idea that that perhaps we put an intention out there and then you know we we look fairly quickly to realizing it our our brain would not support that
2: oh, i see i see so it's not an overnight thing this is
4: uh, a
2: little piece by little piece neuron by feathery neuron indeed okay
4: the, the other thing that happens, too, is that you know, we have far more of our brain devoted to survival kinds of things. I mean, the the question about whether we are going to have lunch or be lunch, uh, <laughs> that's we have far more of our brain devoted to seeing to it that we are not lunch.
2: Mm. And
4: so Still, uh,
2: after all this evolution, we still yes. have a big hard drive section set aside for that, huh?
4: We absolutely do. And because of that, the, the process of taking something from short-term to long-term memory is it's a dedicated express track. If the experience is negative, you will get it from short-term to long-term memory, not even in a heartbeat. It's, it's much faster than that. However, to get something from short term memory to long term memory, if it's a, a really positive experience, a lovely experience, mm-hmm. it floods you with good feelings, that is a separate track and it is a local and it makes a lot of stops mm, and it can, a easy, local. <laughs> it can easily be diverted on spur tracks or, or whatever. So you you have structures in your brain that are designed to ring alarm bells, and they are designed to get you to act before you think. And in the presence of a lot of the stress hormones, most notably cortisol, those brain structures will get strengthened. At the same time, if you those same chemicals are actually shrinking the parts of your brain that will sort of evaluate the threat. Gee, is this mm, really mm. Do I really need to be so concerned about this? So all of this stuff is going on to to really mediate survival. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If, you, if you want to be coming from a part of your brain where there's a lot more discernment and and there's there's joy and all that, you've got to work to make that happen.
2: Ah, okay. And now I can hear all of the appreciation therapists, you know, find the beauty in small things and take appreciation every day so that you grow like what you focus on grows and and so if you look every day at the at the small wonders and the small miracles then that's when you you strengthen that that muscle that vision to see more of them
4: absolutely and i think that you know some people regard them as hokey but gratitude journals or you spending just a few minutes every day to think about what you are grateful for, what you do appreciate. It it doesn't change any of the challenges that happen to be in your life. And you are also noticing something that needs to be noticed in order for your brain to really store it.
2: Mm, For it to be registered. Yeah, for it to show up in the future. Yeah. right. Wonderful. Wow, this is fascinating. We could go on forever. I'd like to take just a short break. And when we come back... Deborah, can you tell us about your journey through the certified journal therapist route with the Center for Journal Therapy?
4: I
0: can do that. I'm not quite there yet, but I can.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, thanks. We'll be right back.
0: You're listening to Journal Talk. If you're enjoying this conversation, then you'll love receiving our weekly show summaries. These are short articles, complete with links to additional resources and book recommendations for each episode of Journal Talk. Head over to our website at writeforlife.us and subscribe to Journal Talk. You'll receive a free index of past episodes plus a weekly summary and reminder when a new episode is published. Thanks again for listening. And now, back to more Journal Talk.
2: All right, we're back with Deborah Ross, licensed professional counselor among many things and author of a workshop uh, on the way to becoming a book. And tell us all about that in just a minute. But Deborah, welcome back and tell us about your journey through the Center for Journal Therapy.
4: Well, I am certified as a journal to the self workshop presenter. I completed that. Uh, I, I don't know, two, two or three years ago now. Yay. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just built another workshop. I'm so. Yes, sorry.
2: yeah. Got another thing under your belt. That's great. I just finished that this year. So, uh,
4: well, or at the
2: very end of last year, I should say. So, yeah, yeah. It's a good feeling.
4: Yes, it is. It absolutely is. And you're um,
2: going on to the next step.
4: I am. And I, I, the credential is a certified journal therapist, which is available to somebody who does already have therapist credentials. So I've completed all of the coursework at this point, I believe, except I still have the ethics component to do. And I've developed curriculum. I' basically this particular project turning your brain on ink into my capstone project is is the home stretch for me. Oh nice so, okay yeah. so
2: all of this dovetails really nicely
4: yeah yes and so for else-
2: people who don't know, yeah, this is taking. Kathleen Adams and the Center for Journal Therapy, the whole, the Therapeutic Writing Institute, taking those courses to be, not only be an instructor of the courses that Kay has, has developed, but also becoming that next layer of practitioner and and leader. And so your Brain on Ink is like your thesis of that.
4: It is indeed.
2: Wow. Okay. (laughs) So, wow. All these nice disciplines from the meditation training, and all of that coming together, the neuroplasticity. So you met Kay Adams up in New York. Tell us about the Expressive Arts Summit.
4: Kay and I were in New York last November. We were invited to do a presentation at the Expressive Arts Summit in, in New York, one of those really fabulous, edgy New York arts conferences. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I could <can> just imagine.
4: <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so we combined together and we did a two-day workshop that was where we, we basically we had a lot of fun. We we tag teamed it for two days and presenting the journal ladder, which is Kay's very wonderful contribution to the mm-hmm. world of journal therapy. And the workshop participants did some penny baker writes and mm-hmm. and we wove that in with the neuroscience so people had an opportunity to go back and forth and we did this together in this wonderful group for two days and yeah
2: it
4: was glorious it really was
2: wow wish i were still in new york when that (laughs) happened i would have i would have been there
4: (laughs) that would have been great
2: i would have been there great so so this course your brain on ink tell us what you've done with it and where it's headed
4: well, it's, I've taught it in person as a workshop, you know, features of it, not not all of it with Kay. And then I've taught the whole workshop myself, you know, in, in my area, which is the Washington, D.C. metro area. Mm-hmm. And then I've also, I reworked it to be able to present it online. And I taught it this spring through the Therapeutic Writing Institute as an online course. So the, Beautiful, that's,
2: beautiful. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? So now I see the full circle-ness of this. So you're getting your education, you know, certificate and you're developing the stuff and then you feed it into the next generation of people coming through it.
4: I did. Yeah. And and it's been great. It, it is a full circle and, and it was a very lovely invitation to mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. be able to accept.
2: Beautiful. Yeah, that's beautiful. And I just love the sense of community that that creates and that feeling of alumni, you know, the connection, connection to all of it. And you're turning it into a workbook.
4: I am indeed. um, (laughs) Well, actually, I, you know, developed all the content for it. Kay has the skill set that's related to it becoming, uh, being in a workbook format. Okay. So we, we will collaborate on that. And I believe it will be out in the spring of 2015.
2: Debra, can I beg for could you give us some exercise or some sneak peek from that workbook? I just want to give us an activity. What could we what do people love about the uh, your brain on ink workshop that people here could put into practice today?
4: Well, let's see. From Rick Hansen, who has done a lot of work in this area, he talks about the importance of holding a positive memory in your awareness actually for at least five, preferably 10, and if you can hold it, 20 seconds, which really does not, I mean, 20 seconds, I mean, what is 20 seconds? And yet, it's really amazing what happens when you're able to to do that. Mm. So for, you know, one of the, the writing exercises that we did in New York was to have people think about a a very positive experience and particularly one that they could saturate with sensory experience. So what we might call a captured moment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So if you're doing a captured moment and you, you know, there's, there's an entrance meditation that you can use, or you can simply, you know, really take some several cleansing uh, breaths, say three, release them, you know, really feel yourself, relax and and let go of whatever the current stresses are, and then start to bring back a memory that is something that for you is just wonderfully positive, and then really focus on all of the sensory aspects of that. Mm-hmm, what were you smelling? Mm-hmm. What were you hearing? Was there something to taste? What did the light look like? If you were outside, how did the air feel on your skin? Who were you with? And then saturate that as much as possible and then hold that in your awareness for, if you can do it, 20 seconds and then write it. Mm. That, that really goes a long way toward being able to take that experience and put it into long-term memory such that you can draw on it again and it will come back with a lot of that richness.
2: Mm-hmm. Wow. You know, that gives a, a new insight to some of the exercises that we do already have in the journal to the self you know like you said captured moment Mm -hmm. where there's a little entrance meditation where you really get into sort of get into character and center yourself i thought it was just to kind of slow down and find you know find a moment that you that you can get into and write about but the way you're talking about it it's really a new dimension of it is is to really flood your your neuronal connections with all of this, all of the reminders uh, of the experience, and bring it more fully into the awareness. That's that's beautiful.
4: I, I think it, it's just it's a wonderful exercise that that sensory saturation. And the other thing that we did in New York, I made little bags of of lavender, um, <sighs> of favorite growers. <laughs> Got a whole bunch of lavender. You did not want to be near me on the train on the way up. Oh,
2: I, I wouldn't mind it. I, I burn lavender candles all the time. Love it.
4: Oh, okay. So I made up little bags of lavender so that people could cue themselves with that scent. Obviously, it didn't work for somebody, although in, in that group, actually, it did work for everybody. And it, But anything that you can do that also then can additionally cue the memory, even mm. if was sensory experience with the memory. Um, So people, you know, they crushed the lavender between their fingers a little bit. And, um, you know, they started to bring back that memory, whatever it was. And so they were able to cue the right in addition with these little bags of lavender.
2: Mm Mm-hmm. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, I can't wait. I can't wait. That sounds like a wonderful workshop workbook. And I'm sure by the time this comes out on a podcast for the most important listeners, we'll have updated the show notes here. Deborah, you'll give us the website address and everything. We'll put those links up on there so people can... You already have a website, so... And please also tell us how we can reach you. People might want to uh, reach out to you and have you speak or share or lead a workshop or where can they find more information? How should they uh, get in touch with you?
4: The best way to get in touch with me right now is my website, which is LPCcom
2: Great. Great. And YourBrainOnInc.com does exist and we'll, we'll, we'll soon have.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> it does exist and it's reserved by you. So... Uh, try that as well, because uh, that that should be coming up soon. super anything else you would like to uh, offer or, or send send off uh, our listeners for this episode
4: uh, just that that all of this research in neuroplasticity is is just such a very hopeful message, and it is an invitation to pay attention to what you are paying attention to mm. There is that that meta level here because it it is going to be influencing, you know, those those wonderful circuits in your brain.
2: That's so profound. I just started thinking of eight different tweets I'm going to send out with that quote. <laughs> <laughs>
4: well, for you as an instructor, you can do a cluster putting your brain in the middle and see what shows up.
2: Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Deborah, thank you so much for your time. Best of luck to you, and I'm sure I'm sure I will you will see me on a on my name on a roster somewhere taking your course at some point.
4: <laughs> thank you. I really, this has been a lot of fun. Thank you very much.
2: You're welcome. Thank you. Have
1: have a good night.
4: Thanks, you too.
1: This episode of Journal Talk is copyright and brought to you by Right for Life a web resource for living with passion, clarity, and purpose through journal writing. Find us online at www.writeforlife.us. Spell W-R-I-T-E, the number 4, lif L-I-F-E.us. U-S. Thanks again for listening to Journal Talk.